Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's go hour number two on a Wednesday. Hope the middle of your week is looking good. Final four in two Texas cities this weekend, but no Texas teams are involved. Unfortunately for Longhorn fans, Houston fans, both know about those Miami Hurricanes. They're headed to Houston uh, on the men's side. The uh, women's side of things looks like South Carolina's show to lose up in Dallas. We're getting ready for all of that. Obviously, Texas beating A&M in baseball last night, ending that losing streak, keeping the winning streak going up to 15 games. And, yes, there are all kinds of weird NFL stories out there, including all the different teams commenting on Lamar Jackson. And was there really a owner in the league that referenced a request from a rapper to get a quarterback on a team? Yeah, that apparently happened too. We'll get into all those things. We got the McDonald's All-American game we'll talk about coming up in the Flex segment as well. It's Chad and Zay on this Wednesday. I'm Chad Hastings. He is Isaiah Collier, not the one that missed the free throws. Zay, for the record, you would have knocked those down, correct? Yeah, I would have knocked those down. Just making sure. Yeah, it would have been money. That Isaiah Collier is going to USC, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, yeah. Is he from out that way? Is he from Nah, Louis? he's from Georgia. Oh, he's a Georgia kid. He's a Georgia boy. <laughs> That's a long way to go to school, man. Yeah, but Georgia, oh. Southern Cal, I get it. Yeah, okay. And they probably throw him a little paper, too. I can't be mad at Zay Collier. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's a different spelling. He goes with the biblical spelling, that Isaiah Collier. Our Isaiah Collier goes with the Thomas spelling. Yeah, he's probably going to go to the league. So if Michael B. Jordan could do it, I could do it. There you go. Isaiah J. Collier. I'm good with that. There it is. You never know. You may get all kinds of social media followers off of him. Yeah. And the thing <laughs> yeah, and the thing you know? that me and Michael B. Jordan have in common, both sex symbols. Yeah. So, Darn right. So the other Isaiah Collier and Michael Jordan, let y'all be the NBA players. Me and Michael B. Jordan will be the sex symbols. Uh-huh. You and Michael B. Jordan, both better looking than your co-stars. <laughs> All due respect to whatever his name. What's that other dude's name in Creed? What's that guy's name? Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. Yes. Yeah. All due respect to Majors. I, I think uh, I think Jordan's a little better looking there. All right, let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. He is Justin Wells of Inside Texas on 3.com. Check him out on Twitter at Justin Wells 2424. What's up, Justin? Hey, what's up, Chad? I, I just gotta ask, have you have you consoled your 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 your, uh, your your coworker today. I, I was talking to Zay before we went on the air, and man, that is one sad soul. Like, we're, we're, he's still upset about the Texas Miami game, man. I, I tried to talk him down, but he he wasn't listening to me. Yeah, I mean, there's been some happiness lately. There's been the Rodney Terry happiness. There's been the the A and M, you know, losing in baseball to Texas happiness. But you're right; it's still it's still haunting him because. I, we can understand it because I know we're gonna have to talk about it talking to you. Yeah, right. It's gonna. Ha- 
That's why I'm like, we haven't had to talk about it a few days. We on the high of Coach Terry getting hired. And then I pull my notes out of Miami and Texas. And I got to ask you, what's your opinion on that Brock Cunningham over the back call Omir? Mm. What'd you think about that one, Jay Wells? I, I thought about it when I thought about a lot of the, um, I guess you'd say 32 free throws to 10 in the second half disparity. I thought, man, this is a bunch of crap. Um, not only was they made the correct call, guys, yep. they just switched it. Why'd they switch it? You, you, they made the correct call. There was no, there was no, <laughs> there was no indifference. And then they just decided to switch it. It makes it everything very fishy, but I will say this on top of, you know, you can't blame the refs wholeheartedly. I understand how that goes. Texas stopped feeding the post about the 10-minute mark. And if you notice, the defense started spacing out further and further. So those threes that they were taking, they weren't open threes from a double down on the block. They were contested threes with a hand in their face. And it made all the difference in the world. Going to the block is what got them to that point for the first 30 minutes of the game. And I, I just couldn't understand why they stopped doing that. You know, Timmy Allen was doing really well in that early second-half stretch down there, and, and they got away from their offense. Now, granted, the referees absolutely stopped any flow of basketball whatsoever. I mean, when you only call 9,000 in the first half and you call 46 in the second half, it's a little, it's a little spicy. And then you find out the referee is the same referee from the Purdue game the year before when there were 30 fouls called in the second half. Oh, I didn't didn't know that. I didn't heard that. Wow. And then then you start thinking, you know what? This doesn't taste very good. But give Rodney Terry and those guys credit. What an incredible season. What an incredible run. I felt like they were the better team, but Miami played it. Played really well in the second half. I hate the fact that they let Jordan Miller shoot 10, 10 feet from the basket. They should have pushed that guy into the seats. Uh, quit letting him have the easy stuff. Miami hit their free throws. I mean, it was one thing in the 2006 NBA Finals for the NBA refs to call Dwayne Wade on seven, uh, 72 fouls. That was one thing. But for him to hit the free throws, that's the other half of it. And that's exactly what Miami did. They hit their free throws down the stretch. And a seven-point loss, it, it stings because you're up 13 with nine minutes left. You got all the momentum in the world. You're starting to think about going to H Town for the Final Four. Everything started sounding good, and then the refs blew a whistle every six seconds. You couldn't get to the free throw line. You quit going to the block, and before you knew it, you're headed home. Justin, one of our guys here in the office bought tickets at halftime. Oh. <laughs> Like you need to tell Aaron, he needs to stop telling people that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, you got yeah. to keep that lower, man. What, Come on, Aaron. You, Aaron. He knows better than that. Yeah, you got to have some foresight on I that. I It wasn't Aaron. It was one of the Longhorn fans that is a part of our staff that decided to uh, to buy those tickets, and now the other guys think he jinxed it all. But uh, Texas. Well, I know Bucky didn't because he ain't pony <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah, you're right about that. You're <laughs> definitely right about that. Uh, but you're getting close. Uh, talking with Justin Wells. So, Justin, in terms of, obviously, you know, that part of it, not the way Texas fans wanted it to end, but, man, this Rodney Terry story is amazing. We've talked to you about it throughout the season and at different parts, different, you know, mileposts along the way. If this was going to happen back in December, 
I, I can't think of a better version. I mean, yes, you can, obviously, if Roddy Terry takes him to the Final Four, they win it all. But for what has happened here, to watch him really take a hold of that job, it's it's an incredible story. You were talking to us about it at the very beginning of this thing, about how impressed you were. How impressed are you now that you've seen the press conference and seen it all come full circle? You know, when this first happened, I remember us talking about it, and I said I felt like if he could get him to the Sweet 16, that he probably played his way, coached his way into the job. And then they get to the Elite Eight, and everything just felt right. The kids were playing hard for him. He was doing a great job with Dylan DeSue in the last month of the season. They had really found kind of an identity and a niche. Um, you hate the way it ended, but, man, you, you, I enjoyed the journey. I really did. It was so much fun covering this bunch this year because they went through so much. And, and I, think, I think they endeared themselves to, to Texas fans and to, to fans across the country because it was a really good story. And then the next morning on his birthday, Rodney Terry gets the best birthday present he could wish for. And that, that's, a, full, that's a, a five-year contract. And so I think Coach Terry absolutely earned it. I think he took over a team that was pretty well built. And, and, but you still have to win. You still have to, you still have to put them on the track and give them gas and let them race. And that's exactly what he did. He gave them confidence. He gave them composure. And I think that he is an excellent representative of the University of Texas and what the athletics department wants to be moving forward. Not to mention the fact that he has helped secure Ron Allen and AJ Johnson into this class, which I think is, is going to be absolutely uh, tremendous. Not to mention that he's probably, he, there's a chance Dylan DeSue comes back. There's still some other guys that, that could be coming back as well. Um, I just think it's a great story for Rodney Terry and those guys and those assistants. Give those guys, Chris Ogden, all those coaches, give those guys credit. Give the players credit. I loved Arterio Morris kind of coming into his own late, late in the season. Dylan Mitchell giving a little bit extra each night that he was out there, knowing when Timmy Allen was down in the Big 12 tournament, knowing when Dylan DeSue was down in the Sweet 16. Like, these guys picked each other up, and that's the essence of sports. You know, helping your teammates root for each other in a collective, the best effort you can give. And I think Rodney Terry embodied that. I think that's why he's so good. He relates to these kids. He's, he's, he's very genuine. He's very appreciative. And I think CDC made the right call. Now, granted, I was a little put off by the national media kind of throwing darts at Texas for not naming him the head coach during the season without actually knowing any knowledge of the situation. But, you know, that's how the national media is. Yeah. They take a blurb. They run with it like ESPN. They don't confirm anything. They steal all the other's info, and then they wonder what's going on. Well, you know what? Rodney Terry was getting that job. Everyone in Austin knew it, especially from what he accomplished. I think CDC made the right decision. I love that the, the Texas brass made the right decision. And I think this program is going to be positive moving forward. They've got the Moody Center. They've got a great class coming in. Now they've got to get, dig their heels in and start climbing into that 2024 cycle. Speaking of the 2024 cycle, Jay Wells, you think about the guys who could be returning, the five guys who could be coming back, like Tyrese Hunter, Arterio Morris. You just mentioned Dylan DeSue. We know Brock Cunningham's coming back. And Dylan Mitchell, that's kind of the one that we don't know, not because you know he might leave for the transfer portal. We know how much he loves RT in the University of Texas. But coming in as a five-star player, top 
five player in the nation, he had big time NBA aspirations. And this season, he showed flashes of why he should be, you know, looked at for the NBA scouts, but he didn't have the season that we thought he could have had. What do you think he should do? Do you think he should come back or a lot a lot like a lot of these guys enter the draft or test his way in the G League? Well, I think you guys know I'm pro player when it comes to this kind of stuff. And if they have the opportunity to, to move on to the league and to start getting paid uh, a full-time salary to do this, you got to go. Like, whether people think you're ready or not, it doesn't matter. If the NBA drafts you, guess what? They think you're ready. And that's what's the most important. So if Dylan Mitchell has the opportunity, you know, there was a talk of him potentially being a lottery pick in this next draft. And I'm not sure if that's still there. The athleticism is. He has the upside in athleticism. He reminds me a lot of Kai Jones. He has so much of that athletic upside, the NBA just drools over it. I actually saw Kai Jones in a Charlotte uniform last Friday night when we went and watched the Mavericks play. And, and of course, he had green hair, teal green hair, just like Kai. <laughs> and so I think, there's a lot of Dylan, I think there's a lot of Dylan Mitchell there. You can get drafted. And, and, and develop your way into a, a, a big-time player over the next few years while you know getting that salary. At the same time, it wouldn't hurt him to come back because he's going to be a guy they kind of rely on next year. A lot of these bigs are going to be gone, and that's why I think that's partly why we didn't see him have like a, a blockbuster All-American season. There were just bigs in front of him, bigs that were experienced and that will also be playing in the league someday. And so for, for Dylan, if he has the opportunity, buddy, you got to go. You got to go, go get it while it's hot because that opportunity only comes once in a lifetime. You don't want to overthink this. But at the same time, if he comes back, just think of the excitement that this team would, that he would bring to this team. I mean, he has that athletic upside. He, and he, we, we saw him progress. That's not only a defensive guy, because he always had that, but also, you know, his offensive game was starting to come around a little bit. And I think an offseason in, in Austin with, with the team and Coach Terry and those guys, that would be developed, and he would be a, a potential all-conference guy next year. And so for Dylan Mitchell, it's going to be – this roster's going to be interesting. Um, Ron Holland's going to come in and play immediately. That's happening. Johnson's going to come in and play real soon. That's probably going to happen. Where they go in the portal, to me, is going to be more of an indicator of what we see next season. It's the same thing with Chris Beard when he took the job two years ago. How he reconstructed the roster through the portal and how college basketball allows you to do that now, I think they can get Texas back to kind of where they were. I don't, I don't necessarily think they can be as talented as this last bunch or near as experienced. But they can definitely fill in some guys, and they've got some upside up and down the, the bench. Right now, though, you know, if Mitchell has the chance to go, you've you got to pat him on the back and say good luck and you know, represent the burnt orange well in the league with you know, so many other players. It's ridiculous how many guys are in the NBA that played at the University of Texas. It's, it's somewhat surprising in some aspects. But I think the team has, has a solid foundation for next year. you just got to fill in those holes. And the beauty of Dylan Mitchell in 2023, 2024, you know, five or six years ago, he was thinking about, you know, staying in college on that Pell Grant dime or going to the league. Now it's different. You've got NIL. And he could supplement some of that with, 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 a, little bit of, with a little bit of paper 
and stay in Austin and still get, you know, collect some coin while also getting prepared for that next level, which is the top level. Because I do think he has, he has some ways to go in development. But Dylan Mitchell's one that, man, if he came back, this, this, this roster certainly gets sexy. And then you just fill in with a few portal guys, and then all of a sudden uh, it, it, it looks fantastic. I'll give you one name, Austin Nunez, guy that used to ball a few years ago. Jerry Hamilton and I used to watch him in San Antonio. He's in the portal yesterday out of Arizona State. He shot almost 40% from the three last year. Yeah, That's San Antonio Wagner. Yeah, right. the so lefty. You got, you got the lefty. You got the, you got the, there you go. You got some guys that you could feel in there. And so uh, it's going to be fun to see how this roster gets constructed. I think Rodney Terry is a tremendous recruiter. He's just going to have to make sure he gets Ogden and those guys on the same page and they build this thing out. But if Dylan Mitchell has a shot, that man needs to go. You get that one opportunity, go live the dream. Justin, real quick before we let you go, anything coming off a of junior day that you would tell the people about uh, at this point, or was it pretty much uh, business as usual for Sark? Actually, this wasn't business as usual. The first junior day in late January, I want to say they had something between 50 and 60 kids. And talking to some parents afterwards, it was clear that they felt like that was almost too many guys because you felt like you're kind of getting rushed in and rushed out. You don't really get to sit down and have long conversations about, you know, how this could benefit your son and your family down the future, how he fits in Texas. A lot of it gets kind of forced. And I know the coaches don't ever mean that. They try to connect with everybody they can in that short window of time. This, this cookout allowed was that, that, that list was cut in half. You're looking at more like 20, 25, 30 guys which gave the staff a ton more one-on-one time, which after talking to the recruits, that's where they really connected. You talked to an Alex January, the on-three, four-star out of Duncanville, defensive tackle, six-foot-four, 315 pounds. He's been a starter on the defensive line at Duncanville since he was 15 years old. Texas looks fantastic. He came to the first junior day and, and I think got a little lost in the mix. He came back with his father. You know, he's got an older brother that already attends Texas. His dad played linebacker at Texas in the late 80s. So there's that connection. And I think Alex January came away from the second junior day so much more enamored with Texas than the first. He certainly loved the relationship with Bo Davis and going over his game tape. They got to go through what he did well, what he didn't do well. Bo showed him some things that he could work on. Uh, you know, top to bottom, you bring in a Christian Clark. And that's a guy that, that running back Deshard, uh, Coach Deshard Choice has really, really, he really likes. And he's a kid out of Phoenix who absolutely loves B. John Robinson. And he's got, he's, he's a bigger kid. He's about 5'11, 200, 205 pounds. And so he's, he's a little underrated. But him and Jarrett Gibson are at the top of that running back chart. And Christian Clark coming in was fantastic. I was told he's a culture fit through and through. This kid had gone through Alabama, Georgia, um, Arizona State, some handful of other schools really, really loved his time in Austin and, and getting to know Coach Choice a little bit better. And having a Colin Simmons, nation's number one edge, came in early, actually. Came in on that Friday, stayed even later. I uh, got to hang out with some players, got to connect with some former teammates. You know, Cam Williams is now uh, entrenched on the roster going into his second season at Texas. And so, uh, top to bottom, I thought the junior day actually – there was more star power at the first one, but it was overcrowded. 
this one had some some big names, some major priorities, and it was a smaller group. And if you just talk to the parents and you talk to the recruits, this was this was the better junior day because it was the less numbers. They got more opportunities to ask those questions. Nothing felt forced, and I felt like coming out of this last junior, this last recruiting event on Saturday, not to mention they got to watch practice. And for high school kids, that's a big eye-opener because they see the intensity. They see the, the, how much, the attention to detail, how important every drill, every snap, every move matters. They see other players coaching each other. They see what it's like to be in the college football game and in the arena. And to me, that, that, that's why this junior day I felt like was the win, was a big win on all facets. Colin Simmons came away impressed. Christian Clark was blown away. And Alex January may be that much closer to being a Longhorn after his official visit in late June. So coming off of this junior day, it was a smaller crowd. But I think Steve Sarkeesian and the group did a tremendous job building with some of these kids. And, and you need to check it out, InsideTexas.com. We list, we, we've got a ton of post-junior day stuff, lots of stuff from kids, lots of feedback, uh, just, just nothing but the good stuff. And so uh, I, I would chalk this one up as a, as, a, as, a, as a good day. Texas spring game is only 17 days away, uh, and that is Justin Wells. We hit it every Wednesday about this time. Uh, he mentioned Inside Texas on 3.com, and if you're on Twitter, at Justin Wells, 2424. Justin, always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Have a good week. Nothing but love, guys. Thanks, Jay Wells. Good stuff there. Yeah, you got to feel good about that if you're a Texas fan coming out of junior day, going a little quality over quantity there. I like that answer. Uh, all right, coming up, we'll get you the flex segment, the McDonald's All-American game. What did Zay think of Ronald Holland, and what did Zay think of Isaiah Collier? You know, the other one that's going to USC. We'll find out. Plus, it's the first offer, but I'm guessing it won't be the last. This is the Horn. Chad and Zay. All right. Well, I definitely don't know this one. I don't know this one at all. What do you got, Zay? Marianne by Marshall Crenshaw. <laughs> I did not know that one. Marshall Crenshaw. I wonder if this would qualify as Yacht Rock. It's got that kind of feel to it. Yeah. Marshall Crenshaw, Leonard Skinner, Gary Moore have all been on the show today. We appreciate your uh, contributions to the show. Specs text line is 337-3776. We are asking you today for your running back Mount Rushmores because it's Earl Campbell's birthday today. So somebody sent us two different Mount Rushmores. The Mount Rushmore of people they've seen. This is... uh, the Mount Rushmore are the ones they've seen. Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, Adrian Peterson. Before my time, Earl Campbell, Walter Payton, Tony Dorsett, and OJ. That's what I'm talking about. We got an OJ, baby. Those are both pretty solid, uh, pretty solid lists. And yeah, if you've ever seen highlights, even if you didn't get to see it, the legit see it, OJ is one of those guys that when you see him on the highlight, it does look different. Yeah. It really does. That, that gait, that stride, that like two steps, but it felt like he went 15 yards in the two steps. He was a smooth operator. Yo, OJ used to kill on the field. That's just... 
Unnecessary. You tried to separate the discussion, and then you brought it back. <laughs> what am I? Bring- I'm talking about how doing? he was on the field. What are you doing? He killed on the field. Yeah, what so do you wrong. want me to say? It's wrong. It's, it's, How's it wrong? It's I'm talking so about wrong. football. It is so talking about football, man. Come on, jeez, Zay. <laughs> if your analogy does not fit, you must. Oh wait, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I can't even. I can't get out of it. All right. Uh, coming up. We will get you where we at in society with Zay. He might want to talk about OJ with the Bills. I have no idea. But right now, let's talk some McDonald's All-American game in the Flex segment. See what Zay Collier thought of Zay Collier. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. But uh, before we get your comments on the other Isaiah Collier, Zay, how about Ronald Holland, the Texas commit, sorry, Texas signee. That's right. That was a part of the game last night. What'd you make of Holland? Solid game, 11 points, three rebounds, three blocks, two steals, two assists. He showed everything that he's going to bring to the 40 acres, and that's him being able to do a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. really well with that elite athleticism of a five-star player, you know. He's got to work on this outside shot. That's one thing he definitely has to work on. But everybody always says power forward with him. I think he's a small forward. If he polishes up the ball handling, he's already a decent ball handler. He's not going to come out and Kyrie Irving your ass or nothing. But he has a good enough handle to get where he needs to go. We'll see 6'8". 6'8". 6'8". So, uh, again, he's a little bit like Dylan Mitchell, but I think Dylan Mitchell's more of a four on the college level, where Ron Holland's more of a three. Hmm. But he had a nasty block where he just threw somebody's stuff out of bounds. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And then one play, Chad, on a break, he caught the ball like two steps inside the half-court line, took one dribble, and was at the rim for a dunk. Yeah, that was impressive. (laughs) <laughs> Again, two steps. Think about where half court is. Yeah. Think about one dribble without traveling. This is high school ball. Yeah. They don't have that extra crab dribble that the NBA guys have. Yeah, I'm always the old man that runs it back oh, yeah, to me make too. sure. That wasn't traveling. It You're wasn't right. traveling. You're Just right. smooth stride. Pure athleticism. I can't wait. I know he's going to play hard. And, again, we just talked with Justin Wells. If they could bring back Dylan Mitchell, Tyrese Hunter, Arterio Morris, Dylan DeSue, you know, if they could bring those guys back to go along with the guys they got coming in, A.J. Johnson, Ron Holland, going that transfer portal, this team should be fighting for another Big 12 championship and making another long run once, you know, next year this time of the season. So I'm really excited about those guys coming in. And Ron Holland, you know, he played hard yesterday. He's not a big all-star type player, but he showed what he's going to be able to show at the 40 acres, and that's grit, athleticism, good defense, and a little bit of scoring with that. One of our texters uh, says, Zay, Bronny James wasn't that bad. Yo. What'd you think? Yo, I ain't go front. Y'all know me. I've been the first one to say I don't think he should be there. Uh-huh. He showed me a little bit last night. Uh-huh. That jumper pure. Five threes. That jumper is pure. One dribble to the left. Pull up. Same form as he did in the catch and shoot. Yo. And they weren't all absolutely wide open threes. No. He had a couple that were a little different. Yeah. And like you said, the work. one where he yeah, has exactly. to come off the dribble. Yeah, exactly. He'll be a little shifty with it. He shot a ball from deep. Looked like he shot it from Galveston. Nothing but the bottom. Mm-hmm. I was impressed with Bronny James. Do I still think... 
there are other players that should have been in this game and not him. Like, they kept putting up the, oh, we're ranking them 28th for ESPN, yet these are the 24 best players in the uh, high school. Does that yeah. make sense? I don't think that adds up, Chad. No, no, their math was their speaking math, to your argument. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And a lot of other people, like, on three might be the only one that has them in top ten. So, from rivals. Right. They would tell you he should have been there. Yeah, yeah. it's just. And when he plays with good guys, you can look good, too. So, I don't know. Would I love to have him at the 40 Acres at University of Texas? Hell, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. But he showed me something last night. I don't know if he's going to be a lottery pick once the 2024 NBA draft comes around. Like, a lot of people are projecting them to be that work for the four-letter network. Right. But – Pops was there last night. He was happy. I saw him with his LeBron oh, ones on. He could he, not stop reacting. He could not stop reacting. Dude, dude can't, come on, Dad. Can't you just sit there? Could you just sit there? Do you have can't to do, do it? Do you have to do the three every can't single time? Can't do it. Like he's, you're not playing. He's so proud. He just couldn't. He couldn't stop. He couldn't stay. He was. He looked like John Morant's dad out yeah, there last night. I would night. respect LeBron more. If, like, okay, son, we get you to the league, whether it's authentic or not. We get you to the league, and once he gets in. Pops dunks his ass, just puts him in the rim like T-Mac did Sean Bradley in that playoff series. I'd respect that more. That's funny. Like all those times you talk back, boy, I'm going to embarrass you in front of the world. No whooping could get you over this. No whooping. Oh, my God. Uh, Co-MVPs were DJ Wagner, who's going to Kentucky, and Isaiah Collier, who's headed to USC. Yeah, how, how, What'd you think? How old did you feel with seeing all of these former NBA players' sons out there? LeBron James Jr., uh, Stoyan. Akovich's son was out there knocking down shots, and then DJ Wagner, Dewan Wagner, who went to Memphis and had a little career in the league. Yeah, and DJ's got the granddad too. He does, which I remember a little. I don't. I didn't. I don't remember that far back, quite that far. But I would have remembered him in the NBA. Like I saw that name and I went, oh damn! I watched him play. So yeah, that, yeah. Now I felt really old Yo, last night. DJ Wagner has game. All his nineteen points came in that second half. Could really shoot it from that Jersey area. So when you grow up playing in Jersey and New York, you have a certain toughness and pride about you. And you saw it with him last night. Like he didn't score any points in that first half, and he was like, okay, I'm about to turn it up. And yeah. he did that. And then Isaiah Collier, biblical name version, nice. Nice. He's really good. Physical. Yeah. Yeah. Great ball handling. Reminds me a lot of Keontae George, who just declared for the draft out of Baylor. I know he's going to USC. He's got the kind of basketball body that could survive the Big 12. Absolutely. He's got that kind of body. Yeah. 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 And that's what makes him so scary. Like, he's a high school kid already with an NBA body. Got to make your free throws, though. And he was hurt. Yeah. He missed those free throws late. Rough. And you were telling me it looked like he won no part of those free throws. Oh, I knew he was missing the second one. They iced him between. He was going to stand on the line. Then he backed off. And one of his teammates was trying to say, no, no, man, come off the line because you've talked about that. You don't want to stay there and stand and get nervous. Then he comes back for the second one. His feet were shifting a little bit. Oh, he kind of was moving around. I thought, he's missing this. He's not hitting this. And he front-rimmed it. I felt so bad for him. That was, uh, that was rough. But really good player. A lot of good talent out there. At the uh, at the McDonald's All Star Game, was it just this old man, or was the uniform thing a little weird on one team where guys were like blending with the floor? They were, they were both weird. I couldn't tell if there were names on the back of the jerseys. Then they went close up, and you could tell. It, yeah, you, and then with the court, like you said, it, it's just everything was odd. Everything Ronald Holland did, I had to rewind because I lost him. I would lose him in the play. Like his jersey and shorts blended with the floor once he got inside the arc. Yeah. And I I couldn't find him. 
Burger King and Wendy's are having a drink together saying, we want to let this happen. <laughs> that's right. Come on now. We'll get this figured out. Uh, that's right, because they were uh, – they were yeah. Not a good look. No, it wasn't as good. I like the, the ball of fire in the middle, and overall the floor looked all right. But, yeah, they, the, the colors were a little, little strange. One other quick thing here in the flex segment, Zay, one of uh, my favorites from last football season. I know you were following them too, that Vandegrift team, Miles Coleman. Yeah. The receiver, class of 24, he's going into his senior year. He uh, tweeted out in the last day, blessed to have earned my first D1 offer from the University of Tulsa. I've been waiting for that. I'm going to go on a limb and say this is not going to be his his last D1 offer. It better not be. Miles Coleman, we are rooting for you. So much fun to watch, uh, and it'll be fun to watch that Vandegrift team uh, again this year. But, man, what a a weapon he can be in this version of of high school to college football, man. That is a speedy receiver. You can put him in a lot of different places, and he can do a lot for you. Yeah, I mean, what a season Vandergriff had, and he was such a big part of it. In that game versus DeSoto, he looked like he was right at home with all those athletes they had Mm -hmm. for the Eagles. Like, right at home. We know Jonte Cook and Trey Wisner, those guys, but, man... He was right there. And Tulsa, good job on getting at him early. I know that means a lot. The first one always is a little something special because you feel like those guys, they've stuck with you from jump. Right when all the other ones start coming in, mm-hmm. you have a certain, like, just respect. and You're always going to remember You're always just going to remember it. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, and that sticks with you. So shout out to Tulsa for getting on Coleman early. And I'm with you, Chad. This ain't going to be the last. Uh, he's fun to watch. 4-4 in the 40, a 10-700 meters if you need him. Central Texas Player of the Year, 6A, second team All-State. Miles Coleman, at Miles Coleman 1-4, if you want to give him a follow on Twitter. He is so much fun to watch. Vandegrift will be, uh, obviously, a team we'll be following around these parts. We bring you the Vandegrift games. That schedule is out there for you Vandegrift Vipers fans as well, if you want to check it out. FLXATX on your social media. Where are we at in society? Coming up with Zay, Chip Brown of Horns247.com coming up at 2.05 to talk more Longhorns. Don't move. It's the Horn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chad and Zay. Now, this is interesting. I know the song very well. This would be Tumbling Dice, which was the Stones originally. This is clearly not Mick Jagger and not the Stones. So... I'm going to go, oh, I got two names in my head. The first thing I thought was Bonnie Raitt. No, close. Ronstadt? That's it. Damn it. Should have gone Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, right when I said close, you knew. Yep, yep, Linda Ronstadt. I didn't realize she covered this. You got to roll me. Apparently it was on her Greatest Hits album, so. 
Who knows? Maybe I'll look it up and she wrote it, but I think it's a Stones song. Uh, originally, the Stones used to put this in every live set. Fans used to love Tumbling Dice. I think this is on Exile on Main Street. Le- uh, Linda Ronstadt, Marshall Crenshaw, Leonard Skinner, and Gary Moore. We hope you're having a good Wednesday. Your running back, Mount Rushmore's. We'll get back into that at 2.30. It is Earl Campbell's birthday today, so we're talking about our Mount Rushmore's of running backs. A lot of people are breaking it up into the ones they have and haven't seen. If you didn't actually see them play live, that's a little different. I didn't see Jim Brown play, so if you say who's the greatest running back of all time and made me pick one guy, it's probably Jim Brown. But the ones I've seen putting that Mount Rushmore together, that's a little different. So we'll talk about that as we move on. Happy birthday to the great Earl Campbell today. Chip Brown of Horns247.com is coming up at 2.05. He was there live to watch it come apart. Sorry, Jay. For Texas against Miami. Sorry to all of you out there that are Longhorn fans because that's the energy that you were hoping for. But it's the energy we were looking for around here and this area was looking for and Houston was looking for and – then it didn't happen. What did it look like and feel like in the building? We'll find out from Chip and talk about Rodney Terry's situation and some other Longhorn stuff coming up. Uh, right now, though, let's go where we at in society. I think Zay's got some stuff on Twitter for me to check out. Here we go. Where are we at in society today? All right, Zay. Thanks to you, I know where my Twitter DMs are now. I appreciate, yeah, appreciate yeah, pull those Twitter DMs up. No problem. Don't mention it. The NFL annual head coaches meeting uh, with a classic NFL head coaches photo here we was go. taken today, Chad, and let's just go down the list of the 32 NFL coaches, their fits, how they're looking, how happy they are, and kind of, you know, sometimes what it represents, it represents where your team is, mm-hmm. like whether you're smiling, what you're wearing, you know, some as you see Andy Reid in the middle, Hawaiian shirt on. Looks like he has some wallaby type loafers on, which yep. Yep. listen, we're doing the Ghostface Killer thing. We'll talk about wallabies tomorrow, but oh, okay. Andy Reid chilling in the middle. Yeah, he looks cold chilling. Looks comfy. Very comfy. Uh-huh. That's what happens when you win Super Bowls. Two rings comfy. Two rings yeah, comfy. Yeah. Now let's go down on the very end. Bottom right. Yes. Big Mike looking as comfortable as Big Mike could look. <laughs> Aaron this morning said he thought he looked like he was on the toilet. <laughs> and maybe he needed a little assistance. He, uh, you know, His not posture a, isn't the best. He's, he's shrugging a little bit. The shoulders are down a little bit. Is that D'Amico Ryan's over his shoulder? Yes. Okay. D'Amico's looking sharp, Yeah, uh, as I would expect. D'Amico Ryan's a handsome man. Right by him is Doug Peterson. Uh, that's okay. Doug Peterson. Yeah. I heard the guys ripping on Pete Carroll today saying he looked old. I think he looks fine. Yeah, he looks fine. Who said he looked old? Bucky. Uh, oh, that's rich. Ironically. That's rich, Bucky yeah. Gobble. Okay, so way down at the, okay, left side. Out there walking like a monk. Left side, top row, second from the end. Is that Brian Dayball? Rocking, that is Brian Dayball. Is he rocking aviators? <laughs> Are those sunglasses? <laughs> Am I seeing that right? Yeah, word on the street is Brian Dayball cracked open a cold one at like 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Dude, he looks like Maverick from Top Gun. What is he doing over there? He looks confident. And is that an intern standing next to him? Who the hell is that? <laughs> on the right, on the right, or his right? Might be Kevin O'Connell or something. I don't. Yeah, some of these guys. A couple new guys I don't know. Right. 
And I do agree with the guys, too, that one of the incognito guys here that you're, you're going to really have to look for is Mike Tomlin because we're so used to seeing him with headgear on. Mike Tomlin, you can find him once you once you see him. No, you go, I see his bald go, ass. Oh, there he is, and he's rocking the suit. Yeah, there ain't too many brothers. He sticks out. In fact, he is the only guy going. Oh, he doesn't have a tie. Those are sunglasses that he's tucked into his shirt. I think the coaches that had the sunglasses tucked into the shirt needed to just wear them like Dayball did. Just have everybody going sunglasses. Dayball's going sunglasses. McVeigh is going sunglasses. Yeah, how cool do you think you are, Sean McVeigh? He looks. You're about to retire. That's how you look. <laughs> he looks like he's got that ring and that girlfriend is what it looks like, <laughs> and that place to coach. He looks like he's the L.A. Rams coach. Good for him. Like now, Mike McDaniel, he's wearing those capris, all white. That's very Miami. The white on white. Yeah. Very Miami. He still looks like a. Professor, but he does. Yeah, I'd about to say he looks like he's going to teach a poli sci class yeah. in that building behind them. Uh, by the way, Mike McDaniel, another coach, asked about Lamar Jackson, and he repped his guys and said, "Yeah, I don't really think that's going." He talked about Tua and their team and everything, but team after team after team is not interested in Lamar Jackson. This thing is going to get really weird for him, really fast. I mean. <sighs> It, it, it is an interesting situation, and at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson deserves to be on the team because there are 32 starting NFL quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, he's top 10. Whether you want to pay him or not, whether you're scared yeah. of the risk. He's absolutely and top 32. He's I know that. He's definitely top 32. So it, it's a tricky situation. Is he getting hosed because of him being his own agent? Absolutely. But when you got owners like – Arthur Blank saying he's a risk factor. Like, yeah, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, Home Depot's own, goes, there's no question Lamar Jackson is one of the top QBs in the league. Looking at it objectively, there is some concern about whether or not he could play his style of game for how long that can last. Hopefully a long time. But he's missed five, six games each of the last two, or yeah, each of the last two years. Excuse me. That's what I've been saying. Like, he's a risk. Mm-hmm. He just is. Yeah, that's 10 games total, right? It was four two years ago that he missed and six last year. Yeah. So as much as I love the guy, I get those arguments, and, and he's lashed out against it. Lamar's trying to you know come back on it, and he's really trying to fight against this notion that he wasn't hurt last year. People have accused him of being able to play in the playoff game, but he didn't play. He says that's not true. The Ravens have said they don't believe that is true either, that they believe he was hurt. Otherwise, he would have played. So now does it boil back down yeah, to well, – Were you hurt or were you injured? Right. And that's that. Maybe that's a question like were you hurt to where you can't get on the, on the field and give us anything? I mean, this is like, – like, Were you – could you have toughened it out? I thought he handled it the right way in the, in this respect. To send out the information, hey, the knee's worse than we thought it was. I'm not going to be able to go. And then don't show up to the game. That, I think, is the way to handle it. People ripped him for it. But what I didn't like was when Jay Cutler, wasn't it Cutler? Yes. Cutler in like a playoff game hurts his knee and then stood on the sideline the rest of the game. Yeah, I remember that. Dude, you, that's not a choice. You're either sitting down because you can't play, you're in the locker room because you can't play, or you play. You don't stand there during a playoff game and just do nothing. That ruined Jay Culler's career. That is a horrible optic, and I get it. I understand what people could be thinking right now that have had knee injuries. Chad, there's a difference between being able to stand and be 
I get all that. But I thought Lamar handled it pretty well. He wasn't a distraction for the team. He stayed away. He would, you know, he didn't have fans thinking, oh, look, there's, there's Lamar. Maybe he's an option. Don't suit up. Don't be there. Take care of yourself. I'm good there. But I'm also in that thing that believes there's one NFL team that fits Lamar Jackson, that needs to devote themselves to Lamar Jackson, and unfortunately it's the Ravens, and I just don't know if it's going to happen. I think that's the fit. Unless the Colts really find the way to fall in love, but it feels like they're leaning more draft. Multiple teams are commenting here. They've had comments from Atlanta says they're going with Ritter. Tampa, Bowles said they're clearing cap space. Kyle Shanahan just deflected the question easily and said, what are you talking about? We have three quarterbacks. We feel good about what we are. Dan Campbell says we got a quarterback. We're good. Ron Rivera did not sound interested, if you heard his comments. The Jets aren't interested for an obvious reason. Carolina's not interested for a pretty obvious draft-related reason. The Colts are, le- are talking draft. Maybe this Robert Kraft meek meal thing is the chance he's looking for. <laughs> Robert Kraft literally said that Meek Meal reached out to him and said Lamar Jackson would like to play for the Patriots, and then Kraft followed with, but that's Bill's decision. That's weird, the relationship Robert Kraft and Meek Mill have. It's really, really Especially weird. Meek being a Philadelphia guy. Yeah. It's like ca- the Eagles and the Patriots, they have their own history. Yeah. They're not I mean, rivals, but the Super Bowl, they have their history. It, and Meek has like performed at Lincoln yeah. Financial Field. Well, it's, isn't it part of that great story where there was a group of people band, that banded together to help Meek Mill get out of jail? And I think Kraft is part of that. I think you're right. I think he's part of that group. Yeah. There was, I can't remember the guy. There's somebody in, it's either finance or there's some other key guy that I've seen interviewed about the situation, but I think Kraft is in, somehow involved in that. So I think that's more than just, hey, we're an acquaintance. I think he was a part of helping him get out of jail. Okay. So, you know, and maybe that's the answer. Hey, man, we've, I've already been a part of a huge favor. I can't ask Bill Belichick for another one. I'm sorry. No, I'm really sorry. We can't, we can't ask Belichick. Bill Belichick had nothing to do with me getting out. No, uh, and he would have everything to do with Lamar Jackson being a Patriot. I'm not sure if that'll happen either. Nah. So keep your eyes peeled. At this point, doesn't look like a lot of interest for Lamar Jackson. But I did just retweet the coach's picture. Zay put it out there as well. At ain't that underscore Zay for Isaiah. I'm at C Hastings 1049. Go see if you think Mike McCarthy looks like he needs to uh, you know, get some toilet action going on or if you can recognize which one is actually Mike Tomlin. A little tougher than you think in that picture of the NFL coaches. Up next, Chip Brown of Horns247.com. And at 2.30, we'll tell you why today matters on Earl Campbell's birthday. This is the Horn.